Hello and welcome to It's All in Your Head, a mental health podcast. My name is Eli Henry and I'm your host. Before we get started today, uh, as this is a show about mental health, we will be discussing some topics which might be a little sensitive for some people, might be a little bit hard to listen to. Uh, I just want to start off by reminding you that if you or anyone you love or know is having a hard time going on, uh, you can always call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. They have an online chat option as well. It's a good resource if you need it. Now, I know it might be a little heavy to start a podcast like that, but I don't think it should be. I honestly think this should just be known. It should be second nature. We should just know that that resource is available. I don't think we do enough uh, to have those resources out there, so... Don't be ashamed, you know, you can call them if you need to for any reason whatsoever. Last week was episode zero. It was just me. Uh, depending on how you feel about me, I'm sorry or you're welcome. Uh, I don't plan on doing another one of those uh, unless something big happens and I need to. But um, as I've said before, my guests share a lot with me, so I feel like it's only fair to share uh what's going on with myself, with you. This is episode one. So this is the first episode in earnest of the new season. And I cannot think of a better person who have started with than my good friend, Vanessa Lopez. She is one of the funniest people I know and an incredibly talented artist. And we had a really, really good discussion. I find it funny to do a podcast like this with someone I've known for so long. I tend to lean towards people I don't know very well so that I can just kind of learn about them uh, organically through the conversation, through the interview. Uh, but there's something interesting about, you know, talking to someone who you've known for a really long time and, and kind of diving deeper on stuff you maybe knew a little bit about or didn't know about and learning those new things and, and, and reaching those new commonalities, I suppose, which is what this podcast is all about for me is finding those commonalities between people with mental health stuff, you know, cause as I've said, the more I find out from people, the more I see I have, I, I have in common, the more I see other people do what I do and the more comfortable I feel in my own skin. Now, um, this is also the first episode I've recorded at someone else's place. Uh, all of last season was all at my place. People would come over, we'd record at my place. This time I'm going to people's homes. So we talk a little bit about that. Um, we, uh, will deal with the environmental sounds that come with it. Uh, and, uh, I, I'm excited. I, I honestly, I don't want to say too much. I just want you to hear it. I think you're going to like it a lot. Uh, stick around after the episode for a little bit of a sneak preview of next week's episode. And, uh, without further ado, here it is. Episode one. It's all in your head. Vanessa Lopez, here we are. Thanks for doing this. Of course. How are you today? I am uh, excited to be doing this, so I'm good. Good. Um, starting off bluntly, mm -hmm. 
So what do you have? What conditions? Uh, I am bipolar. Um, I take, I used to take medication. I'm currently not on medication. I've, uh, for most of high school in my early 20s, well, most of high school I was on different antidepressants. Couldn't figure out which one would work. None of them worked. And then when I became, when I was in my early 20s, I was just a rebellious alcoholic that didn't take any medication. Do you know bipolar one, two? It's know? two. It's the, or it's the one that's not as severe. I so, probably should have known that. Well, no, I mean, I, I, yeah. I can't remember the difference. So, so yeah, two is the one. One is the one where you have manic episodes. One, I think whatever the one is where it's like, where they say whatever that one is that's more severe is the one I do not have. Okay. I will look into it. And then when well, I we release can, this episode, I will make an, a, you can dub. I will just go like, he's dub over that. Yeah. I'll do, I'll do the, like this American life thing and be like, we looked into it. Or what it if was this, what if we do this? I have bipolar one. Take two. I have bipolar two. Awesome. That's perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, so, uh, what do you, what do you do? Talk to me about your, your art. I am a painter. Uh, I'm a mixed media artist, to be honest. I use a lot of, uh, I can use a lot of different type of mediums. I like to paint. I like to goof around with epoxy resin. Can you just, just tell, like, how would you describe epoxy resin to somebody if you can't show it to them? Like, like I just, cause how would I, I explain? Okay. Uh, okay. I can explain epoxy resin. Epoxy resin is essentially, um, a two part, uh, a, acrylic, Epoxy plastic, I think. Um, you mix each part. They're both liquid and they turn into, after 24 hours, they turn into a very solid, hard plastic mass. And I use dyes. I use powders. Uh, I use to, to make it change color uh, or I put other objects in the resin. Yeah, it kind of almost looks like if you could snapshot like like uh, oil and water merging together. Like, you know, when you were a kid, you used to do those. Sure. Those, those like, things where you just put, like, colored, watercolor and oil and water and, like, combine Turn them. it over. Yeah, it looks like almost a snapshot of that between... It's really cool. It's I, it's clear naturally, but, it's, like, if I don't put any dyes or anything into it, it essentially feels like a clear plastic slab. How long have you been making art? Well, I've been drawing and and doing all that kind of stuff since I was little. I've always been the first person to start doodling. My mom could not keep crayons unattended in my house. She's got millions of stories about me drawing on the walls. I could not be contained. Do you see your art and your mental health is connected? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I think when I'm well, when I, I say absolutely, like if I really had some definite answer that was about to come out of my mouth, but uh, I definitely can feel it because when I'm feeling better, I'm much more productive. I do the typical thing of like, if I'm depressed, then I'm laying in my bed wondering, why do I even paint? What for? Inter- yeah, that's interesting, you know, because I feel like there are a lot of people, and I, I, whenever I hear this, it always trips me out because it's so not my way of doing things. There are like these artists that when they're all depressed and angsty, they do work. And 
when they when you talk to them about like, well, would have you ever tried to get better? They're like, I can't get better. If I got better, I wouldn't be able to do my work. And I'm like, what the fuck? Because for me, I, I, when I'm depressed and angsty, I want to be doing work, but I can't. Well, and odds are anything that I create while I'm in a shit mood, I'm going to think, well, that's shit too. Yeah, you're going to associate right. it with that. Uh, well, you're really funny. You're probably one of the funniest people that I know consistently, like regularly. Oh, right. Um, dependably funny. Oh, God. That's a very hard thing to be, I think, dependably funny. And an annoying thing to be, because I've been called dependably funny sometimes. But I would, it's like, I would agree. Do you, like, this? I feel this way sometimes when, when people just assume I'm going to be funny. It feels like dance monkey dance, kind of. Yeah, that's why I'm saying it's exhausting. Like, I've gone through, and it's it's not even like I actively seek out jokes or, like, I look for the funny and stuff. It's just like I often feel like I'm always on or people expect me to be on. And I don't know if they do, but uh, it, it definitely feels like that sometimes. But all, all that is to say that you're really funny, but your art is also very funny. <laughs> like a lot of the time, like it's funny subject matter. And uh, uh, I, I just I'm just wondering, like, has that always been the case? I know I know, it, you know, not everything you do is funny art. And I don't know how you feel about that characterization but i'm wondering at what point you started to integrate some humor into your art i think that's a great question because it's something that i think about all the time and uh, i've never really been forced to answer uh but definitely uh it kind of just finds a way into my art i could be trying to paint a beautiful scene like a farmhouse in in iowa with cornfields but then i'll think well i'll just slap a ufo on there for goofs <laughs> it, 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 it's just really like a thing. Like I'm always unfortunately looking for the next bit. Yeah. I, and it's not even intentional. I just like, I'm like just that type of person. I, I make things funny that and I don't even intend them to be funny. It's just like, that's the ideas that are going in or going through my head. Yeah. I, it's kind of, I feel similarly, like whenever I look back on old file names that I maybe like on my computer, like looking over a hard drive from 10 years ago and I name something like butts and ass. And I'm sure. like, well, fuck, okay, well, I guess I've always <laughs> been doing that. Huh? Yeah. I, I can definitely agree. I like identify with naming files funny and it's, the, it's, it's they're, insanely they're, frustrating and they're not funny for anyone else. No yeah. one is going to get on your computer and be like, this is called butts and ass. Hilarious. He like classic well you know but I, I feel like at a certain point like there was a moment where I, I you can see it in all my file names where i went from just naming it dumb shit <laughs> to still naming it dumb shit but putting in enough hints that i would know what it is for later because like if i needed it like you, know, you have to like, dig through, look through it like where's my resume <laughs> 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 just, when it just... should just be called resume so so was there a time though where you felt like like I can speak for, for for when I write music, when I write lyrics, I when I first started doing musical stuff, like my dad was like, "Well, are you gonna make funny funny music?" And I was like, "No, <laughs> I don't want to make fun. I don't want to do comedy music. I, like so, I do comedy and I do music, but they're separate. I don't want to be a funny musician. I don't want that, you know." But then at a certain point, I started to look at my lyrics, and it's like they're not like Weird Al, but you well, know, it's, no it, no shade to Weird Al. No, no, I mean, like, Weird Al's amazing, but I'm not doing that. I, I, he, side note, one of the most amazing live performers I've ever seen. I believe it. I, Holy I, shit. 
I believe it. So many wardrobe changes, and it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, and the accordion is so. Di- it's you know what? An incredible okay, I'm, instrument. I'm throwing these questions away. We're going to just talk about Weird Al for about an hour. <laughs> I'm here. I, I grew up on Weird Al. This 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 podcast is now called "It's All in Your Yankovic." Uh, but you know, I I I still like. I don't set out to write fucking funny stuff, but you know, it's not Weird Al, but it is like it's got like kind of that pithy humor and like that's in there. So I wonder for you, you know, was it like that? Did you ever say like, I'm not going to do something funny and then you just go shit. Or did you make a conscious choice to like, let it just happen every time or what? When I've tried to not do something funny, it's, I don't enjoy it as much. I mean, I love to make myself laugh. I honestly think I'm one of the funniest people I know. And I know that can sound like conceited, but it's like, I laugh at myself and things that I do all the time. So, and I try when I'm painting to like have a good time. And if this is going to make me laugh, if putting in this alien with googly eyes or something like that is going to be in this painting that he doesn't belong in. Well, if I laughed at it, it's just gonna go. I'm gonna do it anyways. That's good. Yeah, I like that. And uh, you, you, you've done comedy, right? Right. Like, uh, uh, can you talk a little bit about when you did comedy and how you got into that? So I grew up watching SNL religiously, and I'm talking about as far back as I can remember. Like, I remember being three years old and staying up with my mom and watching SNL, and like her having to explain some of the sketches to me. But then. Eventually, she just let me watch SNL. And like, it was my forever dream to be on SNL. Even when I was in middle school and high school, like, I was still religiously watching SNL. Um, so then I had, I remember hearing about uh, UCB and I went and did UCB when I was like 21 or something, really young. I went up to New York City and did the 101 with Chris Gethard. And it was, he was an insane teacher. He was running up and down the aisles while coaching us like frantic energy. I've like, I've never seen before, but it was, it was so, it was so cool to leave Tucson where I'm from. And and, cause I had not done any comedy in high school, but I was always, even in middle school, always the class clown always. Um, so, but it was so cool to go outside of my town and outside of my world, I guess I had to have been younger than 21, but outside of my town and, and, and then seek and do, actually do comedy and learn the structure of improv. And I've done now all the classes. And then in college, of course, I lived and breathed improv. I was in a college group called Comedy Corner. We did a weekly sketch and improv show, wrote sketches every week. So wholesome. Yeah. Damn. Damn, I know. I thought that was like the worst part about it. Where'd you go to school? University of Arizona, Bear Down. What was that? That was a, that was a Bear Down. Is that the? It's like the motto. Um, so I, here's a question: How do you? How would you define your art? Because like you're gonna, there are gonna be people listening to this, and uh, a lot of them d- won't know you. Uh, a lot of people will know you because you surprised me with how many people are like, "Oh yeah, Vila's the best." I know Vila. He's like, "How the fuck? What? Okay, cool, <laughs> great. Everyone should know you, but." Um, for people that listen to this, uh, how would you describe your art to them? Like, what, what would you say? Um, I would definitely say it's very pop culture and if not more so hip hop heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I fucking love rap music and it, it seeps out of me. It's hard for me not to go a day without talking about rap music to someone. So uh, it, it's it's very hip hop influenced. Um, I'm not very good. I'm not very skilled, 
but I, I can, you know, I can get some of it done. I don't think I'm like, uh, you know, some serious oil painter that is doing the proportions correctly. Yeah, but I mean, like, isn't painting one of those things where, in, as far as skills go, it's... It's, eye of the, it's the eye of the beholder or something like that. Well, I mean, if, you, if you're not doing, trying to do photorealistic shit... Right, yeah, okay, does that's it really probably... Matter? Like, you know? Right, that's probably what my response should be, is, like, it's not really photorealistic because... You know, I'm just not, that's just not what I do. I mean, I'm always shocked at what paintings I do that certain people identify with or like. It's never the ones I think. Like, what can you give an example of one that somebody identified with? You're like, oh, sweet. But Well, it's just like when I bring people over and they see like that hallway of art, they're always, they always like the ones that I don't really like. And without being in the hallway to show you. Well, you can um, give me an example. Well, there's this one in there that I think's absolutely, I love it. It's probably one of my favorite pieces. It's the Three Migos. I remember when you made that. Right, right. And I, and there's also another one in it, there. Can you just explain the, the puns uh, for people? Yeah, that. yeah. Well, I did a whole series of kind of rap uh, movie puns. So I did uh, a thin, trippy red line. I did I did Texas Two Chainsaw Massacre. I did <laughs> Back to the Future. And the future. future. Right. I did Weekend at Bernie's with The Weekend. And I did uh, three Migos. And it's Migos. Yeah. yeah I've done Mary J. Uh, Poppins. <laughs> That's good. So, so, but, but you were saying, so, so that one is one you love and people yeah. don't respond to it as much? Uh, yeah. The, and I've got like some, I used to have some Ren and Stimpy ones. And like everyone was always like, do more Ren and Stimpy, do more. Like those cartoon throwbacks. I don't know if it's just because maybe that's easier to identify than the nostalgia nostalgia effect versus some rapper that you probably don't even know. And now I've made it into a a movie spoof that if you didn't know this rapper, now it's completely left you. How does your work affect your mental health? And how does like trying to get it out there? And and I, I mean, obviously you can talk about like, the actual creative process and how that affects your mental health. But I'd also like to know a little bit about how, like after the painting's done and you're trying to get it out there, like when I've gone to see you at shows and shit like that, like how does all of that affect your mental health? Well, I am one of the worst people about celebrating my own stuff. Like when you, when you've come to my shows, like I, I hate hanging around my art. I hate talking about it. I hate doing that whole thing. I hate, selling myself um when it has to do with art if you just talk to me every day or if you just talk to me in everyday life I, I'm much more uh, open and things like that but if you talk to me about my art I, I really kind of like uh don't know how to deal with it I'm the same way I'm curious like you know like about my stuff I'm curious why why is why you think that is I think it becomes a, a thing like I don't want somebody to think I'm conceited or like I don't want anybody to like get the wrong impression of me because I'm talking positive about my stuff because people are like that like people are um you know they they they'll all of a sudden think you're conceited because you talk good about yourself that happens I think or at least I feel like that that happens and that or that's how people are actually feeling. And I'm probably incorrect. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to know. It's just one of those things of like, uh, 
you think about how what people think of you, and and then you got to realize like most of the time they're not. Like, how often do you think of other people? You, most of the time, you're thinking about yourself, right? You know, but uh, I guess that that's a question that that is is worth exploring a little bit. Is like, what's the difference between like why is it hard to differentiate between somebody being conceited? Like in your mind, why do you think positivity about your work or at least getting it out there can be conceited versus just you know, being positive. Yeah. And why is it about your art and not just everything else? Cause like, yeah, I, like you said, I know you and, and it's the same with me. Like I'm, I can just shoot the shit and talk about a lot of other stuff, but if it's something I'm passionate about with me that I made, I'm really shy. <laughs> kind yeah. of. I don't want to get into it. I'm not sure. what. I, the... I, I guess it's like a vulnerability. It's like, uh Oh, I've like put a lot into this painting. And if I stand here and, and talk to you about it and say like, uh, you know, something about this painting and that it took me a long time to create this effect. And you're like, you do that. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. now my whole thing is just shattered. Cause it's like, well, wait, are they thinking like, why did she take so long to do that itty bitty thing? Was that even worth it? Like I have terrible, it's almost, I get it might be like stage fright or something yeah, similar it's to that. Gotta be along the same lines. I mean, I guess the question is, do you, do you think that, uh, uh, I, I mean, this this is more of like a comforting therapeutic thing than a fucking interview question. I don't know. It's just my my, my tendency because I, I go through that stuff too. When I always have to remind myself is like, uh, what? How often do you think that about someone else? Like when someone's like, I did this and it took me this long and I did that. How often are you like, I could do that in ten minutes? Or like, <laughs> how often are you like, fucking asshole took that? Because I always have to remind myself of that of that. Like, because I never. I'm never like, look at this fucking dick. Yeah. I do that shit all the time. I do do that sometimes. <laughs> I'm, it depends. I'm like a, like, and, and that's probably why I have such a issue with it is because of how often I do it that I think everybody else is doing it. Mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. like the first person to be critical of something. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, it, it's, it's funny. It's that. But for no reason. Like, I'm the first one to be like one of the critical people and be like, well, you think that four hours was worth it? Like, you know, like I'm but like, I, mean, I get the vibe when you make those jokes a lot of the time. You're not, you're not, you don't actually like no. mean it. You, you're just like, you know, making a fucking joke. Like people take that really seriously. Sometimes, and I mean, I would, if somebody was like, this took you, uh, eight hours, I'd be like, yeah, well, let's go to, uh, uh, Arizona. So you grew up in Arizona. When did you move to Los Angeles? Uh, I moved to LA. I'm originally from Houston, lived in Houston until I was like in third grade. I just want people to know that. Oh, damn. Because I don't, I don't really like the idea of me being from Arizona. So you no, prefer the no, idea of you being from Texas? To to be fair, like I, I was really like raised in Arizona, and I moved to, uh, well, so let's hop from Arizona to LA. I moved to LA in 2012, I believe. No, no, no way. No That's way. the same year yeah, I moved to no. LA. Had to have been like 2009 or something, 2010 or something like that. Um, but yeah, I moved. Yeah, like 2010 or something. Why'd you move? Uh, Why'd I move? To be funny and get paid for it. Cool. It has not happened. <laughs> You've never been paid once for being funny? People who bought your work? Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Have I been paid for funny for funny business? Yes. Hell yeah, you have. That's right. After college, you know, you stayed in Arizona for a while. What were you, what were you doing out there? Uh, my mom was really sick. Um, and uh, I was taking care of my mom. She had just had a double lung transplant. She'd never smoked. Uh, she had lupus and the lupus attacked her lungs. So I was kind of 
uh, playing uh, nurse Damn. and making sure she was good um, before. Like I had planned to move out to L.A. when I was in high school, but my parents made me go to college um, and then my mom got sick and I still it was always it, it, like the minute I could leave the minute my mom was like, OK, I, I'm good. I left. I was gone. So growing up, uh, going along with, with that, with mental health, so when did you first get diagnosed bipolar? You said you were on meds. Yeah, so I, my mom is a big, avid fan of the medical field. You got a cough, go to a doctor. Your brain hurts, you can go to this. So she had put in, and my mom was dead set that I had some kind of depression or that there was something wrong with me. Like, she knew it, and... I don't know if that's a good thing now because she really tried to, and I, and I'm not sure how much of that was my actual mental illness versus just me being defiant. Um, but she tried, uh, you know, getting me to go to doctors in high school and I would get these medications, these antidepressants and I would fake take them. I'd take them for a little bit and then I just, I wouldn't see any results. So then I'd start fake taking them. Or I'd complain that they'd make me nauseous. Of course, there were some that got me nauseous and stuff and that didn't feel good. And um, so, but once I became my own adult, uh, I was not on any mental medication until I was about like, well, yeah, till probably about six years ago. So when you said that, uh, you know, your mom was always kind of pushing on that, but you, you still said this when you took the, the antidepressants, you didn't feel better. So you'd stop taking them. So something was wrong. You did feel like she wasn't off base thinking that something was up. I don't know. I don't, I, it's tough. It's hard for me to say because I, I really, you know, at that time I didn't, I didn't think I had mental illness. I thought I was just being rebellious I mean, I did feel sad, but I thought that was kind of normal to feel sad. Like, I don't ever remember, uh, you know, thinking like, yeah, maybe I should be on medication. That didn't come till much later in my life. So uh, I want I, I talk. Uh, you talked about medication and experiences with that, uh, which leads me to my next question of like ways you've treated yourself. Uh, when you were a teenager, you were on these meds. Do, do you know what med? I tried them. I tried like lithium. I tried um, a bunch of other lithium like lithium when you were younger. Or? Yeah, when I was like in high school. Oh, interesting. Because that's like that's straight up for bipolar. Yeah, and but that was never the diagnosis. Right. That was never on anybody's radar. Um, that it was just for me. It just felt like everyone was just like you're depressed. Like I had seen. I, I even spent time like in a day program in high school for my mental health that my mom made me check into. She found, she found some weed in my room. No, for and then they took me to the, they took me to this day program where it was also for my mental health and they drug tested me and I dropped clean for whatever reason. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and it was like such That's a, you're smoking spice. Yeah. It was like such a rewarding feeling, like being in the meeting with this doctor and then my mom sitting right next to me and they're like, them being like, well, Mrs. Lopez, uh, you know, she, there's actually no drugs in her system. And my mom like pressing the issue. That's um, lovely. I tried like a bunch of the big name brands, like in the late nineties, like I feel like depression medication was like kind of taken off. Um, but I tried a bunch of the big name brands, um, and and to be honest, 
when I was in my early 20s, I was drinking like a fish. I was drunk all the time. <laughs> so, but there was no way you could have told me I was depressed or that that was, or that that was a symptom of depression. Sure. Like, you know, for me, well, I'm not crying in my room. But I, you know, I definitely feel like, wow, I've actually probably been on bipolar medication in high school or in college. I might have applied myself. Really? Yeah. So, so you're not on meds right now? No. Uh, how long has that been the case? Like two years. Two years. And uh, what you what were you on? Like what finally like took? I was I was on lamotrigin. Um which is like a generic a cam- generic for lamictal. Um, and and I, I kid you not, when I got put on medication and I felt it and I felt good and and it's not like a euphoric feeling, but a lot of things just kind of clicked when I found this one doctor here in LA and then she put me on that medication and she put me on some like sedatives at first. Because I had like a really bad breakdown to where one of my friends, like I, I shouldered down their door. and um, a literal breakdown. Yeah, a literal breakdown. I was fucking wasted. And I broke this person's door down and they were like, I'm moving out of this house unless you get mental help. Well, you live together? Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, shout out Gracie. She's, she's, up, Gracie? She's still my friend because I got help. Yeah. And, and yeah. uh. That's good, but that's a good friend to help help push you to do that. Yeah, yeah, and um, I mean, like, I really wouldn't, I would not have changed my life if she had not put that pressure on me. I probably oh. just, you know, not been on any medication ever, uh, but she put that pressure on me. She, like, left the house for a few days, and uh, then so I went to a doctor, and they put me on some sedatives that, like, made me sleep for, like, a, like a full day or something like that. Then when, <clears throat> when I was back up they started me on the bipolar medication and she had asked me like my doctor had talked to me about being bipolar and if that had ever been something anybody had diagnosed for me and it was not it was never and you know in my mind bipolar was i'm mad now and i'm happy now like that's what i thought it was so are they saying that that was a manic episode yeah, yeah. and 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 i i think like i've majority of my life prior to the medication was manic episodes that i were I didn't even know what that fully even meant. Yeah, it's funny. Whenever somebody tends to get diagnosed bipolar and it's correct, um, which obviously there's you know going to be all sorts of fucking misdiagnoses all the time, but you know, uh, whenever I've known anybody that's like been diagnosed, it always makes sense when you really look at it. Yeah, because you're like, oh yeah, yeah, it checks out. Yeah, it it and that's honestly how it felt. I was on the medication for like a month, and I was like. This is what it feels like. And I never even knew that me feeling like the other way I'd felt was a problem. So I'd like to talk more about meds in a bit, but but just before we get further down the hole, I'm curious about therapy. Have you, were you ever in therapy, like talk therapy, that kind of stuff as well? I've done, like, I was in therapy uh, when I was young. My parents got a divorce and they made me see a therapist. Uh, But as an adult, I've done very few therapy sessions. And I'm not sure if that's just probably because of my shit attitude that I think, yeah, this ain't going to work. But I've I've only heard good things from my friends. Like, 
even from you and, and other friends I know going to see a therapist. And I, I'm not really sure what my job, what my uh, holdup is on going to see a therapist, but there's never really been one um, involved. So when this doctor prescribed you the bipolar meds, mm-hmm. um, there was obviously like a conversation involved. Like, mm-hmm. did was there any element of that that was, how often did you see them? Uh, for the first like two or three months, it was weekly. Okay. Well, it sounds like they had, uh, at least because th- I mean, you know, it's different. There's psychiatry and then there's th- therapy and, um, it sounds like that doctor did a bit of both. Yeah. Uh, she so. definitely, yeah. And she would spend time talking with me and she made me do some kind of like test, some like written test. What do you remember? What kind of like what was it? It was just like, how do you react to these types of things? It was like, how do you like handle certain situations and things like that? And then we went and we like verbalized the answers with each other, and she would like touch on them and 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 talk to me about like previous doctors and medications I was on. And she just was like, "Have you ever thought of that you might be bipolar?" That sounds like uh, a little bit of uh, cognitive behavioral therapy stuff. Uh, I don't know what that is. Right. Well, cognitive behavioral therapy, that's what my therapist does. And that's like one of the leading, uh, that's one of the most effective forms of therapy right now. But it's basically like retraining your brain to process information in a more effective way. So like, you know, these things are going to, I'm, 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 I'm not an expert, so I'm obviously doing probably not the best job. You can Google it at home. Uh, but it, it's this kind of thing where you, it, a lot of it like this cost benefit analysis where you look at like, if I react like this to this thing, what's the cost? What's the benefit? You know, the pros and the cons and like breaking down these things. And a lot of it's homework. Like oftentimes my therapist though, doesn't do homework. He just kind of trains you to do it by the way he responds. So I'll be like, yeah, this happened and I got sad. He'll be like, well, why is that the case? I'm like, right, because of this. It's like, so did you find, you found this because of this? Yeah, I guess. And so then I just started, you know, and like, or something he'll say a lot is like, uh, if I, if I am sitting there, I'll be like, you know, and silence just go, yeah, I don't know. And he'll go, what don't you know? Like, he'll just kind of jump in on that to get the specificity. It's like training you to like get more in depth with stuff. So that, that sounds kind of like with that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think like me seeing that doctor, well, there's actually no doubt in my mind that me seeing that doctor and getting on medication was the best choice I'd ever made for myself ever. And that's, Amazing. And that's great to hear because it, it is one of those things where I often say that like medication without therapy from what I've seen, I think is useless. Like I think that like sure. you can, you can do therapy without medication and that's probably the right move for some people. And like, you know, medication's not for everybody, but I find that without some kind of therapy or some kind of baseline thing, medication can often just be like a not like a bandaid almost mm-hmm. and not really help. So it, it's good that it, for those first couple months you were in therapy. Yeah. I mean even, like even through with the right, same and doctor. Even for like once you put me on the medication for like the next two years, I was seeing her like once a month. Oh yeah. That's great. I see my therapist once a month. Yeah. yeah. So then let's talk about why you got off them. Like well, what happened? Um, so I made the conscious choice. Um, I also just kind of stopped seeing my doctor. I, I I kind of, I had gone like three years or something like that of being very good on my medication, taking it at night, doing all that. And then 
kind of life just got better around me. And I'm not talking about my mental health, but just like my circumstances, things became uh, just better for me. And it became a thing of like, okay, well, am I going to keep taking this chemical? Or like, I kind of wondered then how much I kind of went through like a thing of like how much of that stuff was circumstantial, like mm-hmm. my own happiness around, like in the things around me, you know, got better. So I, I just wanted to try it. I wanted to get off medication because I also didn't want to be one of those people like, oh, I haven't taken my pill. Right. So I know you said it, but my my brain is obviously bad too uh, for all sorts of reasons. How long has it been now since you've been off the meds? Like two years. Two years but, since you've been off them. Right. But I'm sure you, I mean, we talk, we see each other once a month or something like that at a minimum. And I'm sure you couldn't have, I don't think, I don't think anybody around me would have noticed like, oh, she's off her meds. Right. So, so uh, what did, uh, did you talk to your doctor when you decided to stop? Uh, I guess actually, to be fair, it's probably um, probably three years ago now that I've been off meds. Sure. Um, but uh, yes and no. Uh, she consistently told me, don't do that. <laughs> okay. And uh, I told her, well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'll let, me let you know. If I need you, I'll come back. That's always kind of where I, where I, now I'm. I know the I know the benefits of medication, and I'm not anti-medication. In fact, I'm at a point in my life where I want to start seeing a new doctor to get back on medication. So, okay, well, that leads me to my next question. So, so can you walk me through what it felt like to like when you got off it? Like, what happened, and then why three years later you've decided to try and get back? I never had any adverse effects. I never felt like shitty for like a month straight or I never felt crazier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I never felt anything like that. And I, and I, and I feel like I felt the same as I did when I was on the medication in a sense that I felt okay. So I, I, I want to get back to the question I asked, but I'm just curious. So when you, because in my mind, like, Medication often is a great way to develop a routine. And like, I, I've been on meds for years now and I'm, I'm really comfortable with that. Like for me, it, it's, I'm comfortable with it. I'm happy to do it. Um, of course that's to varying degrees of what I've done in that time, you know, but I've often said like, it, the reason I got on it in the first place was because like I needed therapy wasn't quite working. I needed, a, I needed a bump out so I, so therapy could be more effective and I could get some sort, some sort of, uh, hold on my life. So for you, when you got on them in the first place, you said the circumstances in your life changed, but did your day to day change in a lot of ways? Like, so that when you did get off the meds, things were life-wise different than, than, than back at, at the point that you had to get on them? Yeah. I mean, my life was just kind of an easier thing and, and to be pretty open about it I wasn't drinking as much and I think drinking plays a huge part in my own mental health um that's a depressant yeah yeah, sure. yeah. And, and I never really believed that like what alcohol's a depressant I have a good fucking time when I'm drunk so uh you know I, I think that's like how I medicated early on and everything and I, when I got on medication I was drinking pretty pretty regularly um so but then as I was on the medication, I, I was still drinking, 
but uh, not as often. And then just, I, I don't know. You pulled it back. So, so then I, I guess to that, to that end. So you, you noticed that change over that period of time. Mm -hmm. You stopped drinking and I guess circumstances changed. So then mm -hmm. you got off it. You felt fine mm -hmm. for a while. Um, what has led you back to a place where you kind of want to get back on there? Um, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of uh, problems at my nine to five is just kind of, I mean, there's just a lot more stressors. Like I went into 2019, like 2018 was awesome. I had a ball. I wasn't on medication. I was just like having a good life. Like I had a great 2018. And then I thought that way, thought 2019 would kind of feel the same way. I thought everything would just kind of carry over, but, um, it's been kind of rough the last month and a half. And, and for me, I, I'm, I'm still debating on, okay, well, do I want to give this therapy thing a try? Because everyone around me who does it loves it. So maybe I don't have to get on medication yet. Maybe I can take that step and really stick to seeing a therapist and maybe that will be enough this time. Yeah, but I'm, I'm totally open to if the therapist is not enough it's time to get back on medication because I want to feel okay. Well, you know, from, from my perspective, I think that's the, like a really healthy and good way of looking at it. Like, you know, I, I, I'm always a proponent of like, if you're going to go off meds, you do it. Like, I, I think it's one of those things where a lot of people want to go off meds for the reason of, I don't want a chemical in my body. And I think that's like, well, to me, I'm like, that's it doesn't yet i smoke cigs unless, unless like, it's unless it's like lithium or something which i know can cause some things but if you need it you need it right. like my therapist is on it you know for example like and he, he talks about it because he's got bipolar you know it's stuff like that it, it's fine but like the idea of like a chemical building it's like that sounds a little bit like anti-vaxxing well, shit sometimes it, it wasn't even that it was just but like i get it like i just fuck i gotta take this pill every well, day no, i get it because i think that's one of those things where it comes down to like mental health like like i was saying earlier like art is so personal because it's it's when you deal with something in your mind it's like what the fuck like I, there was a this american life episode i just listened to recently about a woman with ocd that got a brain implant with electricity that can control her moods by the level of electricity and how they terrifying. talk about how common this will be it's really interesting but it raises these questions of like well shit i mean if, what does that mean then for the future? And I get that a lot of people feel that about medication too. Of like, well, what does that mean? Is this me? But you know, you said it yourself and I've had this experience too. You take medication uh, and if it's the right kind and if it's under the right dosage and everything like that, yeah, you don't feel different. You just feel fine, which is cool. That makes me think like you know, what you're saying now is like, okay, so you've got off it, but you're noticing some stuff, but you still have some stuff in place from when you, we're on it for those years. And yeah, you want to go see a therapist. Now is the, that's exactly the right attitude because therapy, when you're in a shit place, like friends of mine that are like really depressed. And when I was really depressed and I started seeing a therapist, I was in a shit place and it took about a year before I started to really see the benefits. So it's that kind of thing where you just need to know when you go into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not instant. It's not instant. Nothing's instant. It's rare that anything's instant. So yeah, I think that's the right attitude. It's like, okay, well, if it'll help, I want to go in. If I need meds to help help with that process, it'll make it easier than great. And I think that's 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 a totally healthy way to look at it. And 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 it's like dating too. Like that's what they say about finding a therapist. I don't do that. You got to shop. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, but you know, like on paper, you know, sure, you got to sure, sure. you got to look around. Um, well, well, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not. Um not anti-medication at all. I, oh, sure. I, I just was in like a very good headspace for a long time. Like literally up until like two or three months ago, like 
Yeah. It, up until 2019, like I was in a very good headspace. I was, I felt in control. Well, that's good because then therapy will help with the ability to like manage the, uh, sh- the shitty headspace. Well, oh yeah, that's great. That's good timing. Uh, like I said, you know, I do this podcast, people's homes and whatever's on in the background is on in the background. It, it, it should stop. Usually the car alarms stop at some point. Yeah, you'd think. My think. girlfriend, the car across from, like, there's somebody, like, a apartment across from her. There's, like, on the street, this car. She, we, I don't know. It might, it's like it's made of fucking paper because, like, a car <laughs> will drive by and it'll just go off. I, I was standing outside the other day and I was just looking at a car <laughs> and the car alarm went off. And I had this, like, moment of, like, did I just do that? I don't think you're I like, did. I need to get back on meds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So uh, uh, moving from from that, I want to talk just a little bit about more personal stuff, like get back into, you know, sure. state of life. So uh, if, if you're comfortable opening up about your sexuality, uh, uh, you're bi, right? Right. Yeah. Well, when did you come out? I don't think I've ever actually come out. I think this is like the first like uh, kind of like platform or, or like um Besides Very in public. In, yeah, besides just like in conversation. Right, right. right. Uh, it's just to me, it's never I, I feel like sexuality can really eat up somebody's perception of you. And sure. I, I I've I've never been one to talk about it or anything like that. And it's uh, you know, it was every and actually like any anything that involved like a girl was secret for most of my life. How long have you been by? Well, my whole life, I guess. Well, yeah, I guess. How long, I guess. I guess the question is, and how long have you been uh, aware of it yourself? Like, how long have you been? Well, uh, I guess my whole life. Uh, you know, I, I yeah, I guess my whole life. I, I, but I've only been like outwardly talking about it probably for like the last like I don't know ten years, if that. Probably eight years, something like that. So moving you, to California. That'll well, that that that'll makes do. everyone a little gayer. I yeah. Think. Well, yeah. my dad told me that California was the land of fruits and nuts. <laughs> that was actually the alternate name for this podcast. <laughs> it's all in your head. It's it's sorry. It's, it's uh, the land of fruits and nuts with Eli Henry. <laughs> um. So uh, so are you out to your parents? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. No. no, my mom would crucify me. She, my my mom is a very particular person, and I feel like if I, in fact, I can't even tell her I did the podcast now. Um, just in a sense that she's uh just like she's attuned into what, what things hurt me, and and I and unfortunately I feel like uh, letting my mom know that I'm bisexual is giving her a verbal weapon. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... We have a sorted rough past. Uh, that's unfortunate. I mean, she uses my me being bipolar as a weapon. Have you thought maybe it's just bi stuff? Like, does she have a problem with you riding a bicycle? <laughs> yeah, she hates that too. Yeah, so fuck. maybe we're on to something. But yeah. no, I mean, she'll, she loves, she'll be the first one to be like, when I, and I don't even know if she knows I'm off medication because we still get in fights with it about it now. Cause she'll be like, did you take your medication? <laughs> like, you can't just ask people like that and like, like, because we're in an argument right now, it's based off me not. She loves to ask questions like that and 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 
pick at it like that. So I just imagine if she's willing to take shots about my mental health, it is then, idea, yeah. ooh, right. Uh, that's tough. Uh, I want to, we'll come back to sexuality in a second. I just, uh, that just reminds me speaking of that about Arizona, like it's uh, known to be a pretty conservative place. Um, what was it like growing up there when it came to mental health? Like, obviously, if your mom was comfortable, you know, shoving you to therapy. Uh, uh, yeah, often, yeah, I think I think she was comfortable doing that, but I don't think she was ever really prepared for any kind of outcome that her daughter would actually like. I don't think she was actually prepared to in high school to have like a bipolar daughter. <laughs> Shit. Uh, but the general atmosphere in Arizona, was it welcoming? Was it negative? Was it? Like to, to mental health. Well, what was it like growing up there? I mean, yeah, none of my friends went to a psychiatrist or were on mental medications. Uh, that was just not a thing. I grew up like in a very Mexican high school. I, I'm half Mexican myself. And like that's not a thing in like Mexican culture, even though my my mom is like, you know, is kind of she's the Mexican one. But like even my grandma, like people like that, they wouldn't even think about mental. Med- if you're on mental medication, you're crazy. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. It's, it's that attitude. That's it. That's like, it's, it's, it's funny. Like, you, you know, my instinct is to go like, that's kind of the same with a lot of minority communities. Like, uh, I think the only reason Jews are maybe even more open about it is just because of like, eventually a bunch of us became psychiatrists. <laughs> I don't know. That's my instinct. But then I think about like just everywhere it's like that in every culture. It's like that. I think it's just, uh, I think it tends to be especially prevalent in a lot of minority communities just because of, well, no one's ever, I mean... Well, there's not a lot of trust right. in doctors anyway. All right. You know, in a lot of situations. Well, my grandparents would have never thought about my mom or anybody having, and even themselves, having a mental illness. That would be absurd. Yeah, well, but, but exactly. I'm, but definitely, my, my, my grandparents, both of them, probably suffered from some kind of mental illness. Oh, yeah. I mean, I often think about, I wonder if everyone... I think everyone suffers from mental illness. Oh, that's we'll get to that question a little okay. later. But I mean, it, it's 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 interesting. I think like um, I, I I don't know how you know how many generations back. Like, when did your family come to America? Uh, well, my uh, they my my mom's grandparents are first generation. They moved here from Mexico, okay. and my my grandma actually came from the Philippines. Oh, okay, okay. And then uh, my dad is like his, I don't know when his parents moved here, but he's the white side of me. I don't know when they moved here, though. Do you, or do you know what white, like what the... Norwegian Swede. That is the whitest yeah. white. Holy <laughs> shit. Uh, yeah, because I was going to say, like, you know, my, I'm, I'm, I guess my parents' grandparents were the, were the ones that immigrated. So my grandparents were first, the first generation born in America, Canada. So it, it, there is this like, like passed down, raised by immigrants thing of like, we don't think about that. We yeah. had to spend so much time like getting away from our, from people trying to fucking kill us at least, you know, on like yeah. the Jewish side. And like, we had to find work. We had to do all these, like, what the hell are you doing? We were farmers. We were this, we, we think you're sad. Like, you know, it's this no whole, time for sad. Exactly. It just changes the vibe. Can't you um, just be happy? Yeah. Just don't, be sad anymore my brother literally when i told him i was bipolar my brother asked me that yeah it's like bless you that's what i always <laughs> think like bless you for that that's, oh wow you're right yeah let shit. me just click that dial over no problem um well that uh okay well that that does segue into like the later stuff but i i just want to go back to sexuality for a second mm-hmm. just because i don't want to sure. 
It's a big thing from my understanding. I, okay. I'm just like, here's the thing. I'm straight. I, you know, and I, I played a gay guy in a movie mm-hmm. who was closeted and I had to do a lot of research about that. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I can touch on that. Definitely. I'm wondering if you could talk about what that feels like, especially considering that, you know, you're even still a little bit like that with your family. Yeah. Uh, how that affects your mental health and, and, and how that's affected you so far. Well, I can tell you that the most angry I've ever been and and I'm talking not just from like one instance, just in life, was when I was just out of high school and I was in a relationship with a girl and we were in the relationship during high school. We hit it through like two years of high school and then we hit it for like five or six years after high school. Like we were out to like very few people, like very few. And like, but for years we were just i'm not sure how anybody bought this but we were just best friends that slept at each other's house every day for like six years <laughs> no like eight years or something like that it's Some like reminiscent of, the, of those things in like uh, the 50s where it's like oh that's just her good friend joy yeah like, exactly. <laughs> okay. exactly yeah 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 and uh but i we were terribly abusive to each other physical mental, verbally, like we would scrap each other, like punch each other. I've broken my nose twice and it comes from that relationship. Well, she broke it. But, but, and I think that like all that anger and aggression we had in our relationship was because we couldn't talk about it to anybody. We couldn't talk about our fights. I had no one to talk to. I had to like stew on this. And then she talked to her sisters, like she had some sisters that she was, open to but and and sometimes I would talk to them too but really that's it that was really it and and Mm -hmm. and except for my cousin I have a a cousin that I love with all my heart and she'll probably listen to this but I would talk to her about some stuff but like we were just there was no one to talk to or get any kind of help about any kind of issue relating to this relationship yeah that that I can that that's that's tough it's like uh, I mean, uh, the only experience I can relate to that is like mental health. Like for me, when I first started struggling with all this and when I started going to therapy and figuring it out, uh, before I started talking about it, and one of the reasons I first started the podcast years ago was because when it's held in and when you don't have anywhere to go, it's like a fucking constant fight with that thing. And the minute you talk about it, it's like letting the pressure off of a of a valve. It's just... Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm sure it's like the, just the two of you. Well, yeah. And like we'd be at parties like getting fucking wasted and like we would do little stuff and like we couldn't even react on it then. Like or like we'd get like, you know, couples get it like fight at parties. Be like, <laughs> like we couldn't even do that. We'd have to wait till we got back in the car or something. And then it'd be this huge fucking blow up. Yeah, we're well, screaming at each other because resentment builds. Right. Because we weren't able to address any of that during the situation. Yeah, it's like uh, I couldn't imagine even like on a more positive side of that, like I couldn't imagine being at a party with my girlfriend and not being able to like just grab yeah, her yeah. for a second, you know, like like give her a hug or just like yeah. a kiss or something. Couldn't just, do just any casually, of casually, yeah. And, but and constantly watching other people hit on that person. Right. And it's they just think like, like she's single. You're just single. Or friends. I'm single. Yeah. And like, yeah. And, and that was like terrible. Yeah, that's. It was super unhealthy. Are you two? Have you? No, we are not ne- friends. Have you ever mended? No, 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 no. But okay. but but it's okay. I mean, that's okay. Like, no, sure. Um, yeah. I just for me, I uh, I've left that 
chapter. Well, I'm sure that's a really hard chapter. It for was her tough. Too, you yeah, know? I mean, yeah. Like, that's definitely. one of those things where you can't. Well, she's like out and proud now. Oh, good. Well, she's out good. here waving the rainbow flag everywhere. She does she still live uh, back then? Yeah, she still lives in Tucson. Well, good for her. Now you're you're out for you're not you're not hiding at least from everybody. I mean, how, no. do you feel better these days? Do you feel more? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's nice to be authentically me, and I feel like in the, within the last couple years, I've been able to do that with the help of like medication and being okay with my sexuality. Sure. So yeah, I'm in a much better place being out here in LA. That's good. Yeah, that's. Cause land, the land of the fruits, fruits and nuts. Because even if I went home, I don't even think I'd live, get to, you know. Yeah, because I was home like two years ago and I was hooking up with this girl. And like, I couldn't even say anything to my mom. But this girl was like coming over and hanging out with me all the time. I was still living in L.A. I was just like hanging out in Tucson for like two or three months. And this girl was like coming all the way from Phoenix to hang out with me. And like, my mom never got it then. But it's just she, your good friend, Joyce. Yeah. <laughs> So here, just we're gonna. This is the last several questions. You can answer these quickly. Uh, obviously, some of them are hard, but um, what is the best advice you've ever been given for dealing with your mental health? I think it's honestly to take care of yourself, whatever that means. I mean, if that means not going out, if that means saving your money, I don't. You know, I don't know what that means to you, but to for me, it meant walking up and fucking taking care of myself like not just putting this stuff to the wayside like take care of yourself yeah what's what's the worst advice you've ever been given i don't worry about it everything will blow over yeah kind of like what your uh your brother said yeah yeah that, that just like just like uh, i don't know if i've ever had any terrible advice but like definitely the lack of caring yeah uh well we touched on this earlier do you think all artists are crazy no, but if they're not, what? Uh, how y'all doing that? <laughs> yeah, you got you got to let's spill some secrets. Yeah. Uh, you, you kind of said this was the best advice, but what advice would you give to somebody who's got mental health and is in the arts? Try medication. <laughs> I'm like a big <laughs> proponent now. Try at least trying it and like really trying it. Don't half-ass it like I did in high school take it for like three weeks and like this isn't working like nothing good happens overnight yeah. so it's just like stick at it like really if you're trying to feel better it takes work and it's really tough but I, I swear to god there's a light at the end of the tunnel you just really have to stick to it yeah i think that's the thing with medication is uh you know high school is a really rough time for people to get diagnosed and put on meds because it, your, your brain's forming but i think it is that thing of like if you're under the care and supervision of a good doctor, if something's not feeling like the way my psychiatrist put it is like, I was like, I'm worried it'll make me feel weird. He goes, if it makes you feel weird, we'll stop because it's not working. Right. It'll work when you feel fine and you'll know it because you'll feel fine. You're like, you know, sometimes you'll feel euphoric. Sometimes you'll feel like cuckoo. And those are like, yeah, those are not working. Um, but yeah, it takes work. Absolutely. Uh, my last question, question. Uh, what would you like to see done in the world to help with 
easing the stigma of mental health with making it easier to talk about so that like the next generation won't have the same things we have with our parents of like difficulty discussing things like that. It's, it's tough. Cause like, I want to say everyone just being okay with people being crazy, but like, and like, I want to say it's people like Kanye West who are like bringing being bipolar to the front, but I don't know. It's, 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 it, it, that's like a double edged sword because I really, fucking hate when people are like i think i'm bipolar like like i I just want like everybody to understand that it's okay to feel sad you don't have to feel happy all the time and in fact it's better to live through emotions than just always being happy because i don't think those people who are always happy are actually happy um I think that's that's called acting. Yeah, and that's usually not even very good. Yeah, I always worry yeah, about those people. Those, I know. those people who are just like not. That oh are yeah, I'm great. Like, yeah, like I always worry about those people that I inside mean, they're probably screaming. You know, it's one of those things where sometimes I understand there are people like that. We're like, well, I don't want to burden everybody with how I actually am. You know, I was like, okay, I guess whatever. But it, I, I, I think it is like Inside Out. The movie is the best example of like, yeah, yeah you gotta yeah, be sad definitely. And I mean. I've been meditating a shit ton lately. I've been, I've, I've, today was like 45 days in a row. Uh, nice. Thanks. Small wins. Thanks, pal. Yeah, small, it's very small. But uh, it, it is that thing of like, yeah, I'm sad right now. Later, I'll be better. I'm happy right now. Later, I'll be sad. But whatever. I was like, you know, just fucking live your life. Like, you keep going. This idea of like constant happiness is called mania. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And you're going to break down your friend's yeah. door. Yeah. Uh, okay, last thing uh, social media. Vanessa Lopez, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at VLO underscore VLO underscore VLO. Uh, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good place to find me. I, I take a lot of pride in. The, She's very the, good. Yeah, I take a lot of pride in the Velo's Instagram stories the I put out. VLO's got the funniest uh, Instagram, I think. Uh, hey, I love it. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much, Vanessa. Uh, Eli, anytime. All right, let's do this again right now. How are you? <laughs> okay. There you go. That's it. That's episode one. Thank you so much to Vanessa Lopez. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I did. I think she's so funny and uh, insightful. And I, I am so pleased to have had her. If you like that episode, please like uh, the podcast, subscribe, and uh, leave a rating and a review. It's very helpful. I know it's a pain in the ass. I hate to ask it, but please, if you could do it, that would help me out so much. Uh, if you want to keep up to date on the podcast, you can always follow me on Instagram at It's All In Your Head Podcast. Uh, I post uh, photos and behind the scenes videos. There's going to be a little bit of a tour of Velo's place, some of her art on there. Um, I'm trying to make it worth it for that follow. You can also email me anything you want at uh, It's All In Your Head Podcast at gmail.com. Anything at all. I'd love to hear it. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, this is very much a work in progress all the time. So let me know what you think. Next week on the show, uh, we're going to have the ever-talented Sugar Lynn Beard, uh, who Canadian listeners will recognize from YTV's The Zone. 
and American listeners will recognize from any number of TV shows and movies. She's all over the place and she's great. Uh, and next week she's going to say this. We're going to drop into dogs a few times in this conversation. I just know it. And I'm going to say this. Just so everybody knows, I'm in a nightmare right now. All right, that's it. We'll see you next week. Every Monday, 10 a.m., new episodes. Thank you so much. Have a good day.